When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Book Riot Podcast. It is a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and we're talking about in the world of books and reading. We're recording on February 18th, 2021. I'm Jeff O'Neill, here with Rebecca Shinsky, who has been doing nothing but victory lap <laughs> after victory lap after victory lap after I... last week's uh, trouncing... <laughs> Of expectation. <laughs> I am not ashamed to say that I hung up from our recording on Friday afternoon, immediately walked upstairs to Bob's office and was like, let me tell you how amazing I am. Was that before or after you put in the company slack how you <laughs> obliterated the, the, the game? I honestly, can't remember. What was the order of operations? Honestly, there, Jeff, of your I've good lost, winning, of your good winning? I've lost track of them at this point. Yeah, and then on right. top of it, I got a really nice email from a listener who shall remain anonymous who was like, I would have voted for you in the books basket thing. It just seemed so obvious to me that you were going to win that I didn't take the time to. And now I'm sorry. So I really <laughs> am feeling good about myself. And I'm worried about the fact that you have a game ready for today. <laughs> this is a game. I, I don't know. I, what, what, I don't. I, why set an expectation of what I think is going to happen? I thought it was interesting. <laughs> it com- connects to a couple of things we've done before. <laughs> Um, I would not do well at it. This one I might do a little bit better than you just because I paid more attention to it, but we're not going to get it. Like I'm just going to, yeah, let's you just. You paid more attention historically to print runs, especially from our earlier book turnit days. Interesting that the numbers, I was reflecting on this later, licking my wounds and, and, and ruminating. Um, interesting that the, the band doesn't seem to have changed a whole lot. Like, That's true. okay, there's. Were we, who was getting million print runs in our baby blogging days back in 2010? Were there people getting million? I mean, it was... We're at the end of Harry, I guess. We were mm-hmm. doing Mockingbird stuff. Dan so Brown. those were getting giant divergence, allegiance, um, yeah. that kind of stuff. So they were out there. But Kristen Hanna, who is the Stephen King of book clubs, that's my new moniker for her at this okay. point, I think, is is now the reigning champion. Spitting out one and a half million print copies. And the book is selling. That's one note I have, too. Um, her last book was The Greater, The Great Alone, which built significantly on the first week sales of The Nightingale, and Four Winds has built significantly on top of that 115,000 copies in the first week for fiction with that's no IP, right? That's that's not mm-hmm. at this point. It's all name. It's all Kristen Hanna at this point. Um, I don't know how that would compare. You know, if if you have a 1.5 million print run, is that what you're expecting? I know less about this than maybe I could. Luckily, publishing is so um, generous with information and <laughs> about statistics and data that it's easy to find um, what that looks like. Um, I know more about box office trends mm. as and movies are like my like ninth most interested hobby, right? And I'm like kind of a. I could tell you what's a good opening weekend look like. I could tell you like Avengers Endgames, like opening mm. weekend box office and global global splits and you know all that kind of stuff. But I would lose books, that game. which I do for a living, and I'm like, <laughs> maybe a hundred thousand's good. I don't know. Who knows? Awesome. It's very cool to talk about. I guess related. Let's do a sponsor. We'll go some feedback and then stories. Um, speaking of print runs, um, one of our listeners wrote in to ask. It's like 
you got you got this person wondering and wondering projecting that wondering onto us about <laughs> do we know have we seen is there a standard an expectation a rubric for the percentage of books that are bought and actually read right so oh. how many of these 1.5 million Kristen Hanna um uh, four wins books, assuming they all get bought, which is no guarantee, uh, by the way. Let's say they all get bought. What percentage of them actually read? And I guess there's a couple of ways of slicing that, that are read at all. Like one right. page, right? That are started, I guess, is another mm, way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And then how many are completed? Well, it certainly has to be a number greater than, or a, a percentage less than 100%, right? Yeah. It certainly has to be less than that. How much less than that, Rebecca Shinsky? <sighs> I would not wager any amount of dollars I, on being within 15% correct on. I would not either. I think maybe one time in the history of doing this show, we've got we've gotten some kind of information about this. And mm-hmm. it was either Oyster or Scribd, one I of those subscription Oyster. services. I believe it was Oyster. But released, yes, yes. Yeah, they released data at like one time about... The percent, basically, this the percentage of books that were started, the percentage of books that made it to some internal metric of you know twenty percent read or forty percent read, and the percentage of books that were finished. And I think at the time they were releasing that because they're the way that they paid the publishers was based on how much, like if it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, it was based on how much the the reader ate. Um, But I've never seen any other data about it. I mean. Presumably, Amazon would be the best possible source of this information for ebooks, right? We for should e-books, say only because right. you and they can could, track it, right? Right, they could use ebooks as a proxy. I mean, that would also raise the question of are ebook buyers and readers in some way meaningfully different from print buyers and readers? Who knows? Uh, but I have I have no sense of it. And yeah, people who are on the outlier end of like anybody listening to this podcast is probably on the outlier, the far you know the far high outlier mm-hmm. end far high that's my extremely articulate description today on the high end of average interest in reading so you probably have a bigger pool of books you've bought and therefore more books you could potentially read or not read than you know the average book buyer re- buying maybe four to ten books mm-hmm. in a year is there a percentage of completion any different there this raises so many interesting questions well and it has to be title by yeah. title i mean i have to yeah, imagine the completion rate between a dan brown novel and ulysses is markedly <laughs> different like it, has but it, to it should but it would it should regress to the mean in the big picture right yeah yeah but what is the mean then right right I mean, how exactly many of yeah it's, kinds of things are sold this is a great question i don't think there's any kind of rubric for it and I think also that publishers benefit from this. Obviously, it's not like yes. a thing that publishers created. They didn't create this system where they don't have to know if you read the book, but publishers get to benefit from it in that f- for a large part of the publishing sales experience, they're really only concerned with you up to the point that you decide to buy the book. And of course, over time, if you consistently felt like a particular author was mis their works were misrepresented or something and then you mm-hmm. were disappointed with what you got you might stop buying those things but there are frequently enough significant enough mismatches between how a book is marketed and what actually happens in that book or how the contents shake out in the reading experience and publishers use this to their benefit of well we'll just package this in a way that makes it compelling for sales and then if you're 
in the business that we're in, and you also know authors and agents, there's tension there because, of course, right. the author and the agent want longevity and they want readers to be satisfied so that they will pick up that author's next books. And that should benefit the publishers as well, but it's it doesn't always work out that way. So I wonder what... Now we're several ifs down the road, but I wonder what mm -hmm. would happen in publishing if we had the ability to know this. How would publishing change or how would book marketing change? Because kind of what you're what we're kind of circling around is a mental model of print books, especially mm -hmm. in this model. Are they more like a Bowflex or are they more like milk? Right. Where you're probably <laughs> going to drink most of the milk you buy. In general, right. or you'll moderate your milk buying to match. You're not going to, if you're starting to throw in about a whole bunch of milk that's gone bad, you're going to adjust your milk buying. But I would imagine there's a lot of both. It's very easy. Let's put it this way. It's very easy to find good used exercise equipment, right? Because <laughs> people buy them with the best of intentions. They're aspirational, inspirational, mm -hmm. perspirational. Um, but then they don't get used because the buying is different than utility. I'm going to say something here that might be controversial. I'm guessing it tends more towards the Bowflex than the milk. I think I don't know so if that's controversial. Too. I think a lot of the times, I'm a completionist. If I start a book, I finish it unless something extraordinary happens in it, to it, around it, or something else like that. Like I lose the book, right? <laughs> like it's too scary or something else like that. And I still have more books on my shelves that, that I've bought that I haven't read because I haven't started them. Or not more, but I have a significant amount so that means that if I am on the high side of my completion rate of the books I buy, the top end is like 90%. Yeah. Like if I'm the top, that's like 90% of the books I've ever bought I've read at this point. Seems pretty good to me. Mm -hmm. I could imagine it being multiple, I could be multiple standard deviations away from the mean in this regard. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And you've got those, the people in a year who wouldn't normally buy any books, but they yeah. buy where the crawdads sing because it's the book that everyone is reading or before that they bought right. 50 shades of gray and right. that's the first behavior that makes them you know, different from a typical year and different from other readers but did all those people actually read those mm -hmm. that one book that they bought that year and what would they do to the average i think is a super interesting question i completely agree book purchasing is aspirational in yeah in several ways like you want to cover mid list, right? I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, yeah, but like, like, I would say that's it's... different than romance novels or th mass market grocery store thrillers. I don't think people are picking up James Patterson and paperback at the grocery store for aspirational reasons. M maybe some are, but way different than people well, picking up the George Saunders book about oh, Russian <laughs> no uh, short stories. Well, there's like, I aspire to be the kind of person who will read this, but then there's also aspiration or hope of wanting to have time to mm. read it or aspiring yeah. to have the feeling that you'll get when you sit down to read a book. And that could be whatever kind of book you're excited about. And that is definitely what happens in my use case. I buy and download, like I, I buy a lot of books and I download galleys, way more of them mm. than I finish. More of them than I'd like to admit than I ever actually start. <laughs> <laughs> Because I like options. Yes. And I, I don't think this is surprise. Like you are not, you, Jeff O'Neill, are not surprised about this about me. Mm -hmm. But like, I like the that uh, all those options and knowing that when I'm ready to pick my next book, I can go look at all the ones available to me and, and there and it will feel on any given day like something in that stack mm -hmm. is going to appeal 
to me. I will, I will be able to find something that satisfies whatever that day's book appetite is. Mm -hmm. But there are books that I bought because I thought a future version of myself would want to read it, or I hoped a future version of myself would want to read it, or I liked the idea of it, or everyone was talking about it, and I thought maybe eventually I would care about knowing what happened in that book. And those might sit forever because the appetite never actually appears. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's not a surprise that stuff like that happens. Like, I don't tend to buy ahead of time on purpose. Like, I usually am thinking I'm going to buy, I'm going to read this next, and if it, if it gets shunted off to the side, it's because... I got distracted by mm-hmm. something else or whatever else the case might be. I'm usually buying on a, um, a just-in-time basis to use the old <laughs> Toyota parlance of making uh, automobiles. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. We probably can never know. I will mm-hmm. say this, though, that even if publishing benefits on a unit-by-unit unit basis for people buying books they don't read, most of publishing is subsidized by the hits. Oh, yeah. And the hits don't happen unless people are reading them. Because you don't pass on crawdads to your friends down at the whatever unless you read and like the book. Mm -hmm. People don't recommend books they haven't read, generally speaking, because they don't want to look foolish after the fact. Um, At least that's my experience of like hearing. If someone recommends a book to me, they can usually speak in detail at least about why they liked it, which indicates that they've read it. It's not something like... I don't, I don't even know if there's a similar thing of like uh, movies or documentaries or art house films or something where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I, I know that movie. People tend not to bluff about books because it's hard. You, yeah. there's, no, there's no trailer for a book you can kind of bluff about um, in, in the, or, or whatever, misrepresent yeah. or shine it on or whatever. I, I, again, I don't, I'm, I don't care about any of these behaviors. Do what you want. But <laughs> yeah. I do think that you cannot have a hit unless people like read it enough to pass it on to other people who then read it. You can't go viral and people like the thing and have to read the thing. And it's usually pretty unpredictable. And those books, just to bring it back to the beginning, those books don't start with print runs of a million copies, usually. Like, it's a surprise that a title runs away and then they keep printing them because people, as you're saying, keep recommending it to each other. And enough of those people who take the recommendation actually read the book and like it and then recommend it again. I think that's a great point. That's a great point. I'm interested in, you know, I was just looking at some information about James Patterson for a different project and the Alex Cross series. There's like 28 and a half Alex Cross books. And now at the 28th one, they're starting with a ton of copies because there's this established appetite for James Patterson. And I would love to know what percentage of the first Alex Cross book that was bought got read and is... and is a higher percentage of the 28th one. Like if you've read all 27 and you buy the 28th, are you more likely to read it? I would think so. I but, would think so. Like, you've got 27 books you haven't read sitting there and you're like, this is the one. What's the optimal length of a series if you want people yeah. to not just buy the book, but read it? Like, yeah, that's, well, here, I guess also to bring it back around to print runs, I would say this, I, I would bet a substantial amount of money on this t- statistic. Say that you know the final print run of two sort of equivalent titles, right? Mm -hmm. For the hardcover version. I would say the percentage of books of those copies actually read is going to be higher for the title that had the smaller initial print run. And I'll tell you why. Because they had to print more because people were buying them more, which means it was word of mouth. Whereas if you have a million copies in print and you sell them all and that's it, I think there's less of an indication that there's uptake. 
you know, mm-hmm. for traction. The hardest thing in all of business to get is traction, to make that thing that you think that you're making for other people to buy on a consistent basis. The hardest thing to, yeah. to do in any business, really. Um, really interesting stuff here. That's we will a- never know because you would need, again, you can know about the digital systems, maybe the audio ones too, for that matter. Audible could probably tell you, mm-hmm. right? They're probably, I'm sure they're sure, tracking Libro, and deciding I'm sure how they to do know these that. things. But when it comes to print, which is, I think, the most aspirational of all, because there's the um, there's the thingness of the book and the, the, the hardcover and the flaps and the deckled edges and the holding it and the Instagramming and on the shelf and in your bag and all those other things that go into it, all of those things are so much less about the reading than getting a book on your Kindle or putting something into your, to your ears in that regard. So that, I would guess, would be... If you, I couldn't tell you the percentage, but I think we've come to this. Is if you wanted to say what 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 category of books get read the least, I would say people buying print books of classics they've always meant to read is way up there. Uh-huh. Next is Midwest literary fiction. Yeah, I don't know about self help. I think that's one. I think cookbooks are an interesting one, where I, I think a lot of that is aspirational as well. Yes, I think a lot of cookbooks are used for one or two recipes and yep. they stay on the shelf forever and get pulled out for those one or two recipes yeah, and the rest right. of... So it's like a 10% of the book completion rate. Here's another category, books that were gifted to you. Probably a way lower percentage of books, actually, right? Because you know what? You didn't pick that book out. Right. Nor did you have in the endowment effect of paying for it. <laughs> So I'm, I'm sorry, but gifts are an inefficient use of funds. I don't know what to tell you. All Just behavior economists will tell you the same thing. Give them cash. Give them cash. Oh, well, man. That anyway. was such a great, it's a great question and obviously a really appealing rabbit hole. Yes, extremely appealing rabbit hole that there may or may not be snakes in if you dive <laughs> uh, down, down into it. If anyone has ever seen anything like this, I can't, like for print, what would you, you'd have to, because you could survey people and they could lie to you on the survey because right. no one's going to lie to you. It's like that old PBS thing about people say they watch me more PBS than they actually do because they want to be the kind of people that watch PBS. I would assume exactly the same with that. So you'd have to watch people read books to completion. Yeah, good luck with that. Have fun. <laughs> Not going to happen. No, it's a beautiful okay. dream though. Yeah. All right. Let's do our um, next sponsor break and do some more. Uh, one more listener follow-up. In addition to one person saying they just really enjoyed the, the print run <laughs> episode, and they would have done terribly, though they thought they would have done better, but noted in uh, Library Journal, they often mention the print run number, so if people are interested in this, I would assume the same publishing houses that put them in Publishers Weekly also, I, I don't know why they a different house would have a different strategy for different outlets in terms yeah. of putting the print run in there, but if PRH or uh, Simon & Schuster... Well, soon to be pure. If those people are giving numbers in that, please let me know because that that might cause me to go out and subscribe because I really do find this to be very interesting. And PRH, being that it's you know, what sixty percent and growing of trade retail, means it has most of the books mm-hmm. out there and available to wonder about. One other note on the four wins um, about uh, email from a collection development librarian in Virginia. Your 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 Hello. great state mm-hmm. right now. The Commonwealth um, said that there are three branch library system currently only doing curbside service, and they had to just order ten more copies print copies of the four wins because they currently had fifty one holds for the print book and one hundred and thirty three holds for the ebook. Wow! Against fifty one holds for the e audiobook. I haven't seen numbers like this since well 
where the crowd dad sings. Oh, interesting. Um, this person said we know that we know we like these statistics. You do not even know how much we like these statistics. We do not get them very often. In this regard, I think there's like nine interesting things about this. Mm-hmm. You know, the splits on the holds um, is fascinating. The yep. ebook tri- trebling up almost the other two. The print and ebook having the same number of holds, or audiobook and print having the same number of holds is probably merely a coincidence. My brain wants to make a <laughs> story out of that. <laughs> um, and then Crawdads, I guess. Uh, this person, and there's no, I don't have affirmative consent for the name, so mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to be oblique, but I'm trying to be um, careful, overly cautious about saying people's names. Um, if you could tell me where this compares to Crawdads in terms of Crawdads' life cycle, because here's what uh, I'm saying is, what was the print run of Crawdads? Oh, the first it, one? Because its peak came later, as we said, it was like, like that December after Reese. Mm-hmm. Like it already starting to peak, then it got some fuel on the fire, and then it sort of snowballed from there. To start out here, it would be surprising to me if this book had the kind of legs that Crawdads does. My suspicion would be people are in on the Kristen Hanna thing. She's a name yep. brand for the kind of people that read these kind of books. They're getting on the list. Are they gonna? Is it gonna get picked up? Are they gonna recommend it to people that don't know who this person is? I haven't. I, I'm not reading reviews right now of books that are coming out at the same time. But is this one a good one? I don't even know. Has anyone read Four Winds? Did you like it? I know you read Firefly Lane. Have we talked about this on the show? Do you want to we talk haven't. about this right now? We can't. We can talk about it. That's fine. Give me your. Well, anyway, anything else on this, Rebecca? Before we switch into actual <laughs> discussing books and not just like meta crap around it. My brain also wanted to make stories out of all of the different comparisons yeah, right. between the the formats. I'm really also interested in that the librarian has not seen this kind of mm. pre-order. Well, was it? This is pre-order, right? The, or, has now. the Four Winds come it's out? out? It's out now. It's okay. out now. So early publication interest. Yeah. And right, where in the Crawdads frenzy did the numbers start to look this way? And yeah, I think Kristen Hanna has already had her so-called viral moment and now is just a name that enough people have read the Kristen the previous Kristen Hanna books that were very popular and widely recommended that they are they liked her and as you said they're just getting on the list now I don't know how much more ceiling there is for like recruiting new people onto the Kristen Hanna train where Delia Owens was totally unknown Crawdads didn't have a huge campaign or a big budget. It wasn't expected to be the kind of hit that it was. I am definitely going to go Google and see if I can figure out what the first print run of Crawdads was, because we know that there are just millions of copies of that in print now. And uh, I'm very interested in this. And Kristen Hanna's just also having a, this is a nice moment for her to have a new book coming out because there's a Netflix adaptation out now of one of the previous ones. Are people doing that? Do you think, do people know? I, I, I'm so other people are are a mystery to me. uh, (laughs) Do people make the connection between Firefly Lane, Kristen Hanna and Four Winds, Kristen Hanna? You know, I feel like they don't, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I was also super surprised that the Witcher Netflix series caused a surge in sales of the Witcher books though. But at least it's called the same thing. These things aren't both called Kristen Hanna though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Firefly Lane. (laughs) Last week I knew things. This week I don't know things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Firefly Lane. What? What about it? <laughs> well, this was your first foray into the the Hanisphere. Uh huh. And I liked it until I hated it. <laughs> okay. 
Well, it was specifically you get the um, you got a breast cancer bomb, right? It's seventy five percent through. You texted me about this. You were very. <sighs> I t- I feel like I, I feel like a cancer story is kind of like you need to know you're going to read a romance book. Like that's part of like the thing about romance. Like there's a self-fulfilling yes. thing that goes on there. If someone's going to get cancer 75% of the way through the book, it's like, does the dog die? Does the best right. friend get cancer? Right. Does exactly. the kid get kidnapped? This a is thing. Just, yeah. Yeah. A thing that I don't like in fiction reading is being aware when the author is manipulating me. Mm. Like I'm aware that, all fiction reading is about the author manipulating me. But I think when it's done well, you don't you forget that that's what's happening or you've, you know, you've consented to the thing that is going on. The author is going to manipulate your emotions and take you on some kind of journey. But when it becomes part of the experience to be like aware that I'm being manipulated Mm. in that way, it ruins it for me. This is why I can't read Nicholas Sparks, like among Mm. other reasons. Um, There's a new that hadn't come out of her mouth in a while. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I really saw why it did so well. Like the friendship between the two women who come from really different backgrounds is compelling. The kinds of challenges that they deal with in their individual lives and then in the ways that they understand each other and their friendship over decades is compelling. I am like the right kind of reader to try to sell a novel about women who have been friends for 30 Mm. years Mm. and how Mm. their changing life stories impacts that friendship um there was just some stuff that was a little too on the nose for me or like not quite as subtle as i would have liked it to be and then i I think firefly lane has been out long enough now so don't email me if you're mad about this spoiler but yeah there's surprise breast cancer as the big emotional thing like 75 percent of the way through the book and i did not appreciate that it was like Mm. they were having a they the women had reached a point of conflict and one of them finding out about this very serious illness is the thing that drives them to maybe re-examine that conflict or try to find some sort of resolution and it was just that's too much on the page manipulation for me i couldn't Mm. do it but it makes for really good book club discussions Mm. and i think that it's also fiction that like it felt in some ways similar to stuff in crawdads where I landed in the place of I can understand why this does well. I am not the target for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've watched the um, Netflix keeps trying to get me to watch Firefly Lane. I'm like, Netflix, they there's no amount of huffing and puffing. That's gonna Justice that for Shinsky. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and there's something about seeing. Um, Catherine Heigl and Sarah Chalk like dressed up in the eighties or whatever. And then like, it's like a little too much of an SNL skit waiting to happen for me to get interested in, which I thought was funny. But yeah, I think there is a, the phrase tug at the heartstrings is an interesting one because mm-hmm. we use that not to mean that something is just emotional, but that your, your heartstrings are being tugged and you know, they're being tugged and you know that they know that, you know, that your heartstrings are being tugged. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's manipulation or not. Like that's just the thing about it. That can be fine. That that, that can work if you know what you're in for, like a good cry movie, right? Or a good, you know, a rom-com, you know what's going to happen. A horror movie, you know there's going to be a jump scare. Um, Does that make it a great horror movie that jump scares work? No, it just means jump scares work. Does it it mean it's a good book because you're getting weepy because someone gets cancer and is going to die? No, it means that's a thing that works. So 
it's it's an interesting fine line. Um, it'll be yeah. interesting to see what happens in the future um, going forward. Because does Netflix pick up Firefly Lane? Because they're like, look at this story, or mm. they're like, oh, look at this story, and Kristen Hanna fans will be all over this. I think they were probably like, look at how many copies this book has sold. I just don't get that. I don't feel like that. Like unless you're in the up, like you're in the Harry Potters of the world or whatever. Like you're up there, where, like you're in Mount Rushmore IP. I just don't see that that matters. Oh, I mean, I because this. that that amount of books selling is indication that the story least, that the story is compelling. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, and I think yeah. you're. I really like the drawing the line to like a good cry movie because mm-hmm. I'm also like I'm not the customer for that either it's just not how i'm wired and i think so much of this we're just talking about preferences and so much of this is just how you're wired and what your entertainment preferences are that like i never you know have a bad saturday and think the thing i need to do about that bad day is like sit down and watch something that is definitely going to make me cry that's just not how i process and because you don't feel this way though i'm sorry about like fried green tomatoes right which we did a whole episode about where it's a friendship uh, mm-hmm. Southern Bells with Benefits, I guess, is how we have described <laughs> that, pat- <laughs> uh, that that book. But also, you're getting towards the end. <laughs> Sorry, Iggy, you got to go. Now, you didn't bring this up then. I'm not trying to play gotcha, oh, but no, you clearly felt different about those two things, right? I just love the... I think the experience of that movie is about so much more than that yeah. big emotional thing that happens right. at the end. And I don't, I don't know if that's a meaningful distinction, but it feels like one. Like, yeah. I also love Beaches, but I don't go watch it all the time because so much about Beaches is just the sad stuff. Well, that book is about, book, that movie is about that piece like it's not sort of a break glass in case of emergency plot device 75 percent right. of the way through like you're not surprised in beaches that you're 20 right. minutes it's like it's probably was in the trailer right that barbara right. hershey's like looking especially pale you know right. somewhere um like you know what uh, philadelphia is about going in <laughs> yeah 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 so like it's about the thing it doesn't use the thing to like exactly i don't know it's, it's not like liquid smoke to make your meat taste like you've actually grilled it like you're not just squirting it on there to make it hope people mistake it for barbecue boy yeah i think it feels Um, like this is not as elegantly phrased as i would like it to be but it feels like a cheap trick to me of like now watch me now i'll make you feel a thing A, a character has cancer yeah Right. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that's Chris. And again, I, I said I read The Nightingale a while ago. I liked it well enough. I didn't feel like it was groundbreaking by any stretch of the imagination, um, nor did I feel like it was pandering. But it, it was it was, you know, star-crossed lovers during World War Two. I mean, talk. I mean, it's not exactly unplowed snow uh, to walk across. Uh, all things being equal. So it's interesting to see. I've got another theory to run by you here real quick about virality and, 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 you know, sort of breakthrough viral word of mouth hits. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that once you reach a certain level of knownness out there, you can't really go viral because people already know enough about you that they're Mm -hmm. not some, a certain amount of people aren't going to pick you up because they have a preconceived notion of who you are. The example I'm thinking of is Stephen King. Really can't, he sells a lot of books. But he can't go viral in the same way as something like Crawdads is. Even if the same book was, even if you put Crawdads between the covers and called it Where the Crawdads Sing by Stephen King, <laughs> yeah. it would not sell nearly as many books because some people are like, I'm, I just, Stephen King's not for me. Can't do it. Yep. Can't do it. That is, I think that's totally right on that there are people who you know, have their mental model of Stephen King yeah. and they've decided that he is not 
for them. And it doesn't matter what the content of any future Stephen King book is there. Th- those are not ears to hear the, mm-hmm. the pitch for the Stephen King book. Yeah, I think that's true. It probably applies for music and movie stars yeah. and other sorts of media as well. Like, you know, if you didn't like the first two Taylor Swift albums, you've probably decided T-Sweezy right. is not your jam. and Unless, I mean, yeah, the only situation is unless no one listened to the first Taylor Swift albums and you have right. no mental model of what those things are, <laughs> then it has that, there's no downward force. And we've talked about this before, how hard it is to do Girl on the Train 2, right. Gone Girl 2, because your ceiling is sort of everyone who read Gone Girl minus those people who did and didn't like it, plus someone who's never going to read it. So your ceiling is already lower on those two. Very, very interesting to see. I, th- I wonder if they um, there was that book called um, how to how to make a bestseller or something like that that oh, the Stanford dudes that, yeah. like put together. And I wonder if that was in their model of like, all right, to, in order to have like to to put a book slash author combo in the lab to try to concoct a bestseller, it almost has to be a name that almost no one knows. Almost has to be. Yeah, I think Almost there's a like necessary ingredient of novelty for something yeah. or to go viral in that, that right. sense. It's all potential. It's all it's all mm-hmm. fresh it's all fresh powder um to ski down. Well and some of it too well, is the cultural capital of you're passing as a thing becomes viral, you pass it on as part of that pattern because you're pretty sure the person you're passing it to hasn't seen it yet and you're establishing something about yourself in their eyes. I think there's definitely some aspirational image perception stuff that happens there. Like I'm going to share this band that I just discovered, but I don't think this person adjacent to me has discovered them yet. And it's novel and it's exciting. And also it reflects something about me. And I remember that happening with Gone Girl, with the way, like, mm. watching that happen, the way that, like, the concentric circles of readership got wider and wider. And yeah. I think we watched it happen with, like, Fifty Shades of Grey as well, where it, it, these things start kind of small, and then a, a one circle of readers recommends it, and it goes out, and then it goes out, and then it goes out, and then pretty soon, no one who's read the book can find anybody in their circle to recommend it to who hasn't either yeah, read it or right. at least heard immunity, of it. Right? This is a phrase right. we know now. Like we have herd immunity to the book going viral on us. Wreck immunity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I know when we're approaching herd immunity, when book civilians in my life start mm-hmm. saying, did you read that? I really loved it. They assume I've read it. They want to ask my opinion of it. I guess I don't know to yeah. prove something about me or them. I don't know why this things happens to me. Why do people? Because talk books to me? are a, a, an important part of people's identities. Yeah, and they know it's a part of my identity. It's something you can talk about. And who doesn't want to talk to me for a few minutes if you can? Um, but that's that's. I'm like, oh, we're at the end. St- we're, we're at a bubble. We're at a, we're on yep. a crawdad's bubble when we're uh, approaching this sort of thing. When the thing gets um, splashed back on them. Um, yeah. So anyway, if you. Well, one more, one more thing. So we think about. I'm just trying to think. So, Girl on the Train, Gone Girl, Crawdads, Fifty Shades. Just trying to think in our podcasting life, mm. they all fit that, right? Yeah. None of them were known by enough people that anyone had any immunity to it. So it could, it and, could get into the gen, and Gen Pop and run like I think and run like um, The fire. Martian had a moment kind of similar to that one. Yeah, Maybe not right. as big. I'd have to go back yeah. and actually find sales numbers, but that happened Martian. for The Martian too. Because like Dan Brown 
his break. I mean, that's why they call it the breakout. You break out of wherever you were right. and you reach a new place. You don't break out twice. There's nowhere else to go once you've broken. Out. Right. Did anybody yeah. read this, the most recent origin, the most recent Dan Brown book who had not read the Da Vinci Code? Like, are you starting that's a great with origin? Question. Surely there must be someone who's like, have you heard of Dan Brown? I read this book called Origin. That's a weird thing to say. Be a weird, right? It's a weird. I want to meet that reader. It's just fascinating to think about that. It is weird that it's built into the word novelty, novel, and the (laughs) the form novel. It's like something Uh about the newness is important, right? You want to be there. You get some refracted glory for the book's newness by recommending it. All you've done is read it and said someone else you've read it, but somehow it feels like whatever cultural cachet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other leather jacket of coolness uh, of <laughs> about reading you now you're the Fonz of books for a moment as you've told someone <laughs> the Fonz of books a, yeah a lot of show titles coming out today. Ret- <laughs> refracted glory is definitely the show title <laughs> are you sure it's not southern bells with benefits i'm not sure <laughs> i mean I, can that one pass the itunes i don't know sensor? if apple's gonna let us get get away with that um anyway all right let's do our last sponsor break and we're gonna we might just do we have st- well, well we'll do a sponsor we can come back let's just have some fun man yeah. let's do the game i'm here for it especially because i'm right? <laughs> paranoid slash convinced that this one is constructed for me to not win it's not really even a g- i mean going off our spring preview i think it's an interesting document right because you know we're kind of putting a stake in the ground that we're we're you didn't do any of this i said these are the ones <laughs> i'm i'm putting out there for us to look at and we're and we're trying to think of like how to chart, you know, outside of the votes, what the future of these baskets is. Like which mm-hmm. one of them won, which one of them have different trajectories than the other. And since we don't have a sadly book scan account, and even if we did, I don't even know what the rules are about like if we have a book scan account where we can like we pay our blood money to Nielsen, can we talk publicly about that info? Do you know this? Have we ever talked oh. about this as a thing to think about? I don't know. Is that proprietary? Is that like forwarding on the um, subscription <laughs> newsletter to your friends? You know That's what I'm talking question. about. That's a great question. Come on. I do. Yeah. yeah. So even if we had that, hmm. we couldn't say we did. Maybe, and look at the bestseller list, the bestseller list in Publishers Weekly, which apparently they have some deal, and I guess I can talk about those. I don't know where I am on, on, on my outside of the law here. I always I am an outlaw, so I should have just assumed that I am. Oh, yes. When I think of Jeff O'Neill, I think outlaw. Yeah, right. How many of them get adapted? Takes a billion years. How uh-huh. many of them win awards? It's a small sample size. So the only thing I could come up with that I had right now is connecting, a, crossing a couple of streams. One is these this cohort of books we're interested in now. And two is the other story I slash we are interested in because I'm dragging you along by your hair, <laughs> is Amazon discounting. Ah. So for the books that have come out on our list already, and there are 10 of them, uh-huh. the, the discount off hardcover price for in, a, in percentage form, mm-hmm. what do you think that may or may not mean? There is variation. Because does that well, imply anything to you at all? If there's variation I mean, in the discount on hardcovers among the ten books or so that have been released on our list already, are we talking about how they were priced on the day they were released, or how they're priced as of altogether an hour today? ago? As an hour ago, I pulled the discount percentages for these ten books that oh. are have been released already. I. How would talk me through your process? It's like a Google interview. Say you're on a stranded <laughs> island and your hands are encased in <laughs> oh, concrete. Wow. How many people in Manhattan 
just open their window. Welcome to Google. <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Okay. I don't think it's 0% meaningful. Okay. I don't, I also don't think it's 100% relevant. And the fact that So you're it's saying just, it's between completely indicative <laughs> and not at all indicative. Well, thank you very much. Did I just get hired at Google? I think you did. You did. You're now an, a CDC epidemiologist. Welcome Great. To- <laughs> Call me Fauci. <laughs> okay. I think it's... And I think it's less meaningful that this is just these books were published on different days and we're looking at mm-hmm. all of their current discounts on this day. I would be interested in how much they were discounted on the day or the week of their okay. publication and then some equation that would factor in their sales trajectory after that. Did it mm-hmm. go up and continue staying up? Did it come out of the gate hot and then slow down? Mm -hmm. And how did that sales trajectory intersect with additional discounting, with the future discounting going either up or down? But just here's these books that all came out on different days and how much they're all discounted today. I don't think it's terribly meaningful. Yeah. So if you had asked me to group them, say, from the most discounted and use that as a proxy for demand, right? Because that's what okay. these, these big discounts have been, right? Mm-hmm. Historically, going back in the day, they're loss leaders. Get people in Borders, get them in Barnes & Noble, get them to Amazon, don't make much money on it, but you know they want this book, you want them to buy it from you, right? So that's why you discount the bestsellers, right? Because there's a recursive thing that happens there. Theoretically then, remember you remember going into stores, Rebecca? You remember this? <laughs> Vaguely, we're in, we're, yes. Mm-hmm. You were, we were in barber. Sh- we we're, were dressed up like barbershop quartets, and we had uh, cartons and buggies, and uh, <laughs> we're listening to the the songs of John Philip Sousa. And we'd walk into our Barnes and Noble, and the deeper you got into the store, the fewer discounts there were, right? Because mm-hmm. if you were already deep in the store, you were looking for that thing. You weren't. You didn't need the discount to buy it. So my general theory is. The higher the discount, the better it's selling, or the better it's predicted to sell. And I think you're right to, to mention the timeline. Okay. Um, if something is still discounted four weeks later, maybe it means something else. But I think, roughly, these things kind of seem to line up with how you might expect them to have sold or been interested in. Okay. So here are the, here are the books so far. Superhost, um, Long Time Coming, my Year Abroad, Four Winds, Survivors, mm-hmm. Aftershocks, No One's Talking About This, Swim and Pond in the Rain, Think Again. I think I had them all. Those are all that's in there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them one by one and just give me a ballpark what you think the discount for. And they range from an 11% discount to a uh-huh. 44% discount. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, actually, let's take them in order of publication date because then I can scramble them and I'm not, I'm not uh, leading a little bit. So the first one that okay. came out is actually a long time coming, Michael Eric Dyson. That was one of your picks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Came out December 1st. What do you think the current discount on the hardcover is in percentage terms? <sighs> came out December 1st. 23%. 44%. The highest on the list. What do you make of them apples? I can't I'm, parse this one. But I'm making a face. <laughs> it's yeah, a confused right? one. What's the sales rank? 
Are you looking at it? I don't have it. I don't have it in front of me. I don't have it in front of me. Because well, okay, no, 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 no. I let mean, me that. why does I that matter? Motiv- what would it, well, what would that, why would that matter? <laughs> this is my motivated reasoning. You want it I to be ho- selling, so they're like. I this hope is the shit. that that book in particular is selling very yeah. well, and that the discount is reflective of high sales and not reflective of Amazon trying to offload it. Yeah, it's crossed the forty percent barrier, and let me say that no other book is above forty percent on our discount. Forty. It's, it's out. It's an outlier. I think they're trying to move units. I think they got they got too many. That's my guess. What there. a weird place yeah. to start! It's, <laughs> it's a weird place to start. It's a it's a artifact of the game, as all games have artifacts. The next one in our list is "A Swim in the Pond in the Rain" by George Saunders, which we actually didn't pick, but was on our list. Mm-hmm. But an interesting book for all the reasons we just talked about in the books that no one finishes uh, right. discussion. <laughs> this is George Saunders, who is. At, kind of at the apex of knownness and highbrowness, right? Mm-hmm. More highbrow, people don't know them. And less, more popular, not as highbrow. Am I right about this? Like, we're, we are right here, like, I'm not even sure. It's like the, the Tarantino spot or the Wes Anderson spot or maybe one notch above that. Mm. A Swim in the Pond, which is also George Saunders talking to us about why we should read Russians. Yeah, Classical it's Russian like- literature. Yeah, I think that book is, I think the George Saunders is going to sell way more than it's going to be read precisely because uh, people yes. buy it seeing George Saunders and it has that Saunders-y title and then they find out that it's about Russian literature. It's like if I do you have, went to the... I do have your sales rank for this one. I, I know okay. this because you'll find this very useful. It's the number one selling book in Russian literary criticism. So put that into <laughs> your, uh, put that into your, uh, your Wonka machine and, and figure out the everlasting gob stoppers you can make with that. <laughs> Thirty-seven percent discounted. That's so good, Rebecca. Thirty-six percent. Now, tell me why you how, not forty, not below. Talk to me about that number. I don't. It, well, I thought. Well, mainly I misunderstood. I thought that you said that no one else was over forty, which oh, I was oh, like, oh. well, then everything else must be under forty. But that neglects. There are some forties. There are some forties. Okay, well, that's so you good would put this at your top of your tranche. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yes, it's the, the, the top of the tranche is a good show title too. <laughs> Now that we all know what tranches are, thanks to vote If I counting. say it enough, I'll understand it. <laughs> and Amazon is just like, it, it's kind of weird about how discounting works. So 37 seemed like a sufficiently mm-hmm. weird high number, given yeah. how well this book is performing in the, what Russian literary criticism. Number one. In the in the all in the in everyone knows how lucrative the Russian literary criticism uh, yeah. section of the I just looked up is. long time coming and it is ranked uh-huh. number seven in government and social policy which tough is hang. Prob- that's a mm-hmm. tough hang for a long time coming. yeah yeah I'm yeah. Uh, sad about that for for that book but all that right let's go let's move through these this could take forever okay. these, these are the, <laughs> some of these are more interesting than others uh, my year abroad Chang Ray Lee came out. We have a we have four that came out on February second. These are all okay. almost all of my picks. Uh, what do you think the discount there is? Seventeen percent. Thirty three percent. Okay. One. I think we're, there's a lot more variation now. Is one thing I'm noticing in the Amazon discounting. It used to be kind of across the board, forty ish percent, maybe some yeah. even fifty percent of the okay. big ones. I don't remember this thirty percent window is being a thing again some of this is availability yeah, the, bias i'm looking at it so i don't know what i that's didn't know interesting before. barnes and noble does the best sellers at 30 percent, but that's my only mm. sort of mental yeah. benchmark for that number right 
I guess at least there they're making a profit if they're getting them mm-hmm. for a forty six percent discount, right? That right. makes sense That's for true. Barnes and Noble. How about Adam Grant's Think Again, which you just read? You're finished. You're in the middle. I can't remember. I'm in the middle of it. It's good. Middle. And you like, yeah. Surprise. I do. I mean, surprise. yeah, right. Adam Grant is yeah. center of the wheelhouse. Yeah. He's um, your. He's our Kristen Hannah, right? We're just we're just <laughs> in for. We're just going to be buying the Adam Grant. Uh, Adam Grant. I think he's popular. I think these are selling. Uh, I'm going to go like a. I don't know. Thirty-two percent discount. That's a forty. I think the Adam Grant. 40. You were putting in. Everyone's buying it. Big front run. Okay. Big name. Put the top of the. He's everywhere. He's been on like four everywhere. podcasts. I listen to. You can't keep one of those ear mics out of Adam Grant. Do you think he sleeps in those things? You give a TED talk <laughs> with him. Do you like he Probably. brings his own, like a custom, like one of those molded in ear pieces where like they pour this stuff into your ear to get it exactly right. I wouldn't be. Maybe surprised. he had one implanted like a cyborg. Just put it in there. <laughs> So you're saying Adam Grant is super fun at parties. Well, you don't have to stand that close to him because it's always amplified. You know, you can stand 25 <laughs> feet away. You can hear him. So it's not a problem. No shade to my boy. I like that. I'm Grant too. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about the four wins? By Kristen Hanna. By this little author named Kristen Hanna. It has to be 40%, right? Yeah, 40%. Okay. No doubt. This, this would be the stone cold lock for me. Has to be 40%. Um, the survivors, Jane Harper. 28 40 it's up there it's up there with hannah grant and okay. uh and and uh that that tranche jane harper is getting more popular or has become more popular than i realized good for yep. her right as i said multiple citations for that's what put me over the line that's what pe- over, people overcame their distaste of me personally on the strength <laughs> of the survivors alone they say cheaters never win but that's not true it's not cheating really <laughs> You just found the vote. I, I don't know why I can just say that. <laughs> I just said that. Just, who knows? Uh, where, where are we next? Oh, super host, Kate Russo. Oh. Nineteen? You're very close. That's eleven percent. That's the lowest hmm. on here. Okay. So the my theory then is if you're looking to buy super host by Kate Russo. You're looking to buy Superhost by Kate Russo from wherever mm-hmm. you are. You're not like you're not like shopping around. You're just going to buy that book. The discount does nothing for you, theoretically. Yeah. Uh, Kitchen Front, Jennifer Ryan. Oh, I think this is in that same category. You're maybe you're right. you're, you're fourteen percent. Well. Yeah, sixteen percent. Yeah, okay, that's really good. Oh, I skipped one. I'm sorry. Nadia Awusu's Aftershocks. That was January twelfth. Oh. Also that like 16, 18%. 19%. Very good. All right. Okay. And our last one, Patricia Lockwood's No One Is Talking About This. Came out Tuesday, our most Tuesday, recent release. Tuesday, it's hot and fresh. Um, 28%. Oh, 18%. okay. Which is not a number I've ever seen. 18% it's a, discount it's a on Patricia Lockwood's number. book that came out Tuesday. As a Patricia Lockwood aside, the review yeah. of that in the Times was as vague and unhelpful as you expect a review I, of it. I saw an interview. I read an interview with her about it, and I'm like, even for Patricia Lockwood, this is ambulatory and oblique and strange. I'm really I don't know interested. What the pitch is on that. 
in the novel, maybe it's just difficult to review it or issue a verdict on it. But I clicked on the Times review of it when I was scrolling through yeah. the news recently. And I was like, this leaves, uh, this is unhelpful. <laughs> <laughs> you have not performed your job as a book reviewer. I have no, like, yeah. no help. Here. So there's, there's sort of three tiers, I guess. Is, this is where I started with this game. I was going to say, isn't it, I, I'm seeing three tiers here. There's the 40-ish, you know, 30, 36 to 44 tier. Mm-hmm. And I think that 44 is we got to get rid of these, un- unfortunately. Yeah. December release, nonfiction, uh, again, tough hang. Swim in the Pond of Rain, George Saunders, I think it isn't 40, it's not a 40% book. It is not Adam Grant. It is not Kristen Hanna. It's not their survivors, but it's also got some sauce on it, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a thing, you know, PRH cares about George Saunders. They print a lot of books. He did a lot of publicity. This will be the least read book on this list. I mean, I mean, bar, bar none, yes. bar none, bar none, maybe 400 <laughs> souls or because it's a giant anthology, you know, you'd be pick and choose, but cover to cover. People are going to buy 400 souls though. Yeah. The sur- my year abroad, the channel, the surrounded, that was his last book. That 33 one, I can't make hide nor I can't make sense of that. It should be either 40 or 18 like that. That's a weird right in the middle that I don't know what to do with. I have a and then theory. You, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I have a theory it? about the Chang Ray Lee, and it's I think Chang Ray Lee sells on his name, but the reviews really? of that have been to the to the audience that likes Chang Ray Lee. Yeah, to the Chang people who know Chang Ray Lee know. Yeah, Chang but Ray that's Lee. a yeah. that's a thing. There are Chang Ray Lee. Yeah, yeah, sure. Fans. No, I see. Yeah. I, hear, I, I I pick it up your vibe. Yeah, yeah, and I think so. You could expect people who like Chang Ray Lee are going to buy this book, but the reviews of it have been kind of. Yeah. lukewarmish middling mm-hmm. and if sales are slowing down either because of that or because folks who have read it if they don't like it if they're not recommending it then amazon's got a bunch to offload but see i guess yeah i guess you're right so you're saying it, maybe it started out in the 18 percent. people are gonna buy this mm-hmm. range right and it's risen to we need to move these it's what so i think this, of there's, now. Like a, there's like an uncanny valley of popularity which mm-hmm. if you're 10% it means you're sufficiently popular to the buyer that we don't need to discount it but there's if you fall into the middle you're like we don't know what to do with you so we need to do more than that but we're not going to do a 40% discount because then we're in remainderville right and then the other side of that and the, and the other side of that is the books that we need to be competitive with the targets walmarts barnes and mm-hmm. nobles of the world and discount that because there's a there's a price war going on for those books right and i think some Something of it like is that. what i'm gonna probably forever refer to as the testaments phenomenon of this oh, like a, a book say that, more about that well the testaments that like, came out of the gate really hot there was a ton of publicity new margaret atwood yeah. book whatever it sold a lot at the very beginning and then just mm-hmm. has disappeared. And these high discounts, like or this weird, uncanny place of discounts, like 33%, I think probably occur when that happens to a book. That there's publicity, yeah. it's a recognizable name, there's a, some minimum threshold of pre-publication interest has been met, but then once mm-hmm. the book is out, it's not sustained. Yeah. And so we've got we've got this band of between eleven and nineteen percent. That is aftershocks. No one is talking mm-hmm. about this. The kitchen pro and superhosts, which are up market fiction and memoirs that most people don't know anything about. So we have no mm-hmm. reason to discount that because right. you're not. Because if you're here, no one you're else is for this, right? <laughs> yeah, weird. That's so. Isn't that weird? I find the whole thing so weird now. It is. You did very well. 
Oh, thank you. It was, I like the uh, figuring out how it's working and narrowing in on things by the end. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So there's no, there's no 22%. There's a big band between 19 and 33, Mm -hmm. at least Mm -hmm. in these. Again, this is a data set of nine that just came out. People like this game. We can do it in the future. Yeah. You know for what every we should... few months we could, we, could come, we could come back to this. What we should do as the measure of success for these baskets in the long run it, and to like tie a big bow on all of this is have listeners email us about which of these titles they bought and oh. which of them they actually read. <laughs> it's like... It's like um, it's a killing three double-blind experiments. We got to generate our own data here. Amazon's yeah, not right. going to give it to us. They won't. They won't. Yeah, I'd love, there's so much I'd like to know. Is a computer spitting out these percentages? Like, where are these percentages coming from? Oh, God, it has to be an algorithm, don't you think? So you get Kate Russo's Superhost in the catalog six months ago, and the AI's like, huh. Really? You think? I, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. There's so many books. They can't be there with like somebody with a visor and a quill pen, like sort of troubling over each individual one. Yeah, I would think it would have something to do with pre-orders, early sales around the time of publication. How many how copies many, they ordered? How, maybe? how many copies they, they have on hand? That? Yeah. Like what gets the waterfall flowing? Well, and like Amazon how many also they knows have versus where it gets and what their discount is and how many gosh, sales. Like, where does that Amazon start? has so many inputs too, so yes. they they could also know how many people have searched for this book oh, and yeah. then left the page. How many people put it in their carts and didn't buy how it? How many people pre-ordered? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's that's interesting. <laughs> if you work for Amazon and you want to tell us secret things about your algorithm, <laughs> also, where have you been all our lives? <laughs> Also, right. if you listen to it, right. also shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> Have we not been obvious? I feel like we've been obvious. I, I think so. <laughs> it's a dating app, but just for us looking for an Amazon algorithm writer. <laughs> yeah, it's where we find our little birdies. We'll call it Twitter. Oh, no. <laughs> That's our show, yeah. folks. That's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, email us if you'd like, podcast at bookriot.com. Uh, you can find... Sh- Do we have show notes? <laughs> what are we going to link to? <laughs> there actually may be no links to our spreadsheet. <laughs> it's just a, one of my victory lap gifts. Oh, I like that. I'm going to put a relevant gif in that describes... The magnanimity, the magnanimity <laughs> that Rebecca has demonstrated in the last week. Think about how many times I wanted to text you about it, but didn't. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't the pleasure in the thumb being above it and not doing it and knowing you and could it, though? It's true. It's true. I'm not going to, but I could. I could. It's its own kind of gloating. It's like pre-gloating. <laughs> pre-gloating. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one.